Scripture readings from Ecclesiastes 12, 1 to 8. Remember your creator in your youth. Remember also your creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days come and the years draw near, of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them, before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened, and the clouds return after the rain, in the day when the keepers of the house tremble, and the strong men are bent, and the grinders cease because they are few, and those who look through the windows are dimmed, and the doors on the street are shut. When the sound of the grinding is low, and one, and one rises up at the sound of a bird, and all the daughters of song are brought low, they are, also, they are afraid also of what is high, and terrors are in the way. The almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper drags itself along, and desire fails, because man is going to his internal home, and the mourners go about the streets, before the silver cord is snapped, or the golden bowl is broken, or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the cistern, and the dust returns to the earth as it was, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Vanity of vanity, says the preacher, all is vanity. This is the word of the God. All right, good morning. Um, just a word about um, contingencies for, um, I mean, you know, I understand today, uh, this week or whenever, uh, New York is in the state of emergency, is that right? So, but don't fear. Uh, until, you know, there, there are more suggestions, and, you know, uh, we will still have public gatherings. And so, you know, we'll, we'll, we're, we're constantly monitoring, and uh, there may be a time where uh, social gatherings uh, would not be permitted or um, what's well, a good word. But anyway, we may not be able to gather. Then we'll have contingencies, and uh, so we'll let you know. And, um, um, but the important thing that Pastor Benu mentioned is there is online giving, so you don't have to be here to give. Hint, hint. It might be really good to start moving that trend anyway. So I'm still old school. I do checks and cash and stuff, so I get it. But it might be something to look into, all right? All right. Uh, we are in the series. Uh, I don't have my PowerPoint today, so sorry. I don't have these funny images to keep you awake. So you're going to have to listen, all right? And uh, I'll be extra loud if I need to. Um, we're doing uh, spiritual... Healthy, healthy spiritual families. And uh, we began this whole thing um, after the vision sermon for uh, this year. Uh, and we've talked about families. We talked about marriage. We also talked about singleness. And now we're talking about parenting from children. And last week, I think I gave Pastor Benu the hardest one, which is adolescence. So somehow he was able to weave through that. And then now I'm, I'm going to do young adults. Ultimately, this is about uh, multi-generation. You know, families are not just, you know, uh, Husband, wife, and two kids, and a dog, and a garage with a car. It's, it, families are complicated now, right? And not only that, uh, uh, you know, it's multi-generation. That's why Pastor Stephen is going to come next Sunday to talk about what it means to take care of the elderly, uh, people who are 60 plus, 70 plus. Uh, the boomer generations are on the rise, and they are the largest people group uh, in America, and that's a huge concern. And Pastor Stephen is right in that situation. And if you're our age and above, uh, you're in that situation too. How to take care of the uh, elderly parents. And so he'll speak on that. And after that, um, Pastor Justin will come after that to talk about what happens uh, after that. We, we die. <laughs> and and he's, he's a hospice chaplain. So I'm like, you're taking that topic. So he's going to be uh, preparing us for, uh, you know, heaven. <laughs> It's, it's good. So it's, it's all the whole generation. We're putting everything together. Now you're thinking, uh, young adults, you know, maybe some, I see a lot of young people who are still in high school and college, you're like, 
you know, this doesn't apply to me. Actually, it does. So, so because you'll be young adult one day. And a lot of the 20-somethings, 18 years old and above, you are, you are a young adult, whether you want to believe that or not, you are. And those of you who are parents who have young adults 18, age 18 and above, you know, the uh, Bible does teach us how to raise young adults. And so I'm going to try to make it in a way that all of us, uh, uh, that it can apply to a lot of people, not just uh, parents who have uh, young adult children. It's not like that. And for me, I mean, those of you, if, you have, if you're uh, 30 and above and you have kids and you still have parents alive, you're still, in a sense, a young, an adult child to your parents. So you, it affects you as well. Anyway, having said all that, um, um, yeah, oh, I, ha- I don't have the slide, but, but here's a review. One thing that I was trying to say is that uh, if you are a parent and you want to be a parent one day, the way we parent in a gospel way, one size does not fit all. Now, uh, if you have little kids, your role is to be a, do you remember the first C? To be a commander. It doesn't matter what your kid want to do. You tell them what to do. You like that? Yes, you do. That, so that's easy, right? But then they grow up and they start to develop into people and they start to talk, <laughs> start to have their opinion. And that goes from, I forget what age I said, probably in grade school to middle school, right? And then you can't command them anymore. Otherwise, they're going to rebel at such an early age. So you got to coach them. So that's another style of parenting. And then the teenage years, uh, that's even better or worse, I don't know. But you can't even coach them. You, it's, it's, it's even more frustrating because you've got to be a counselor to them, all right? And, you've gotta, and uh, Pastor Benu kind of sort of mentioned that. Now, young adult stage is even, is even more interesting. So, if, okay, those of you who are 18 years old or approaching 18, think. The way your parents should parent you and the way you should have your relationship with your parents is, is more of a consultant relationship. Like, what is that? So, well, let's look at what that is. But if you notice these, these different parenting styles from commanding, coaching, counselor, and consultant parents, you, re- you see, I hope you notice that at every stage, there's less and less, here's that word, control <laughs> over your kids. And if you're a parent, that's just going to drive you nuts. Less, and, and if you're on the other side, you're like, yay, I have more freedom. And that's the dance right there, okay? And that's what parenting young adults or adult children are all about, all right? Uh, I got a lot of this material from uh, pastor, former pastor, retired pastor. His name is Jim Burns. And he, has a, he wrote a book called Doing Life with Your Adult Children, and I like that. So he, um, here's a quote that um, he says. So listen very carefully. Uh, young adults, listen very nice. No, no, actually, this is for the parents. Jim Burns says to parents, be nice to your adult children. They will most likely be the ones who someday take away your car keys and usher you into the convalescent care facility. So parents, be nice, all right? So when you parent little children, parents, uh, you're very comfortable with that role because it's very easy, you know, uh, it's, it's clear, you know, you're, you command, not because you're a you know, power-hungry person, but you care for them, for their safety, you have to provide, and so forth. You're a disciplinarian, 
And even as they go to the next stage in elementary school and maybe part of middle school, there's a coaching relationship, and, and we get that, right? But, but this, the stage of young adulthood or being adult children, as a parent, I'm not there yet, but I'm just foreseeing myself what that might look like, um, is it might, for some of you who are in it, you know it's tough, and I foresee it's going to be tough because almost, I'm almost lamenting, you know, I have a 14-year-old who's my oldest, and, eventually, and I'm already seeing her, you know, going to college and getting kicked out of the house. Not that I want to kick her out, but it's going to happen. And in my mind, I'm like, woohoo! But you know me, I'm going to be like, oh gosh, I'm going to be lamenting that day, right? Goes off to school, maybe, uh, and they're going to start making career decisions, and they're going to start making decisions that you don't agree with, oh, right? What are you going to do? And they're going to start spending money, your money still somehow, (laughs) they're going to start, or maybe they earn their own money, but the things that you don't think is appropriate. And then their church attendance is is just going to be optional. Like, oh my gosh, you're like, I thought I did everything right as a parent. And uh, and that's where it gets confusing. And why why is that for a lot of parents who have to uh, parent adult children? And why is it confusing? Because... and it's hard because it's the loss of control. And at this last stage of parenting, you almost have to lose total control of your kid. And that's hard. So Jim Burns counsels parents, all right, that this parenting, this stage of parenting is very, very difficult. But the good news, here's the good news, parents. If your adult children have uh, uh, took the left turn and you're, you don't know what to do, he says, good news is that most adult children eventually do become responsible and independent. You like that? Yay. I should have saved that to the end. <laughs> you know? But eventually they do. You know, you may not believe Jesus right now, but it'll, it'll happen, you know. But the question that is on the mind of a lot of parents is, when is that going to happen? How long must I suffer until they come to their right mind? Well, okay, um, I don't have PowerPoint here, but there's two things I want to share with you. One is what he said, and secondly, what I want to say. First, what Jim Burns, is, Jim Burns would say is that, parents, as you're wrestling with this, number one, you have to relinquish your old way of parenting. In other words, you got to give up your understanding of how you would parent your child right now, who is an adult, and you have to rewrite your script, rewrite and re-understand what parenting is at that stage. It's hard. You got to give it up. You can't parent the way you did a few years ago, you know, when they were in high school or maybe even college, all right? So parents, you will, here's the the rub, because parents, you will always see your adult kid, your, your adult child, even young adult, 18 years and above, as your child. That's the problem. No matter what age, he or she is. They're still your little baby, right? And for young adults, those of you who are 18 and above, you know, you're like, I'm an adult now. <laughs> I want to make my own decision, and I want to be treated like that, mom and dad, so leave me alone, that kind of thing. So what gives? You know, who's got to give up first? Um, and basically, Jim Burns says, parents, you, you have to relent. You have to rewrite and re-understand what parenting is. Uh, in psychology today, there was a sim, uh, 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 article or story, something like this, and I just want to share this. Uh, 
take melanie for example if there's a melanin here is uh, they're not talking about you, okay? So it's just a generic Melanie, as it was a real person Melanie, all right? Uh, the article says she's a successful lawyer in her mid-40s as a teenager, but as a teenager, she was irresponsible. She arrived late always and had problems with drugs and alcohol. Since then, while she was a teenager, as she grew up, uh, she pulled her life together. However, when she goes home for the holidays, her parents still remember that flaky, irresponsible daughter who caused them so much worry and concern. Right, parents? You understand that? So the article continues. When Melanie is reminded of this by their parents' action or words, she is naturally irritated and upset that her family seems to ignore how much she has changed. She is hypersensitive to jokes about her lateness or stories of bad past behavior which put her on the defensive with her family and set her up for fights. You understand some of this? Anyway, that's why people hate holidays and Thanksgiving getting together. Now, so psychologists would say that, that in this kind of situation, it's very typical in many American families, is that parents, they tend to regress in their parenting style, what they call self-reinforcement. And this is what psychologists will say. They say the adult, adult child would say or do something that would remind the parents of their childhood struggle or their adolescent mishaps. You know, because, you know, when you're young, you do things that are not appropriate sometimes. And so when an adult child starts to do something, it reminds them. And, 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 and when they get reminded by their parents, it induces stress on that adult child. And so the adult child, you know what you do? You, you respond like you did as a teenager. <laughs> Maybe you still whine, you didn't realize. Maybe you still behave the way. And it's like when you go back to your mom and dad's house, you actually revert back to your kid. It's just, I don't know why. But, and then when you start doing that, but you're 40 years old or whatever, you're CEO, you're successful, but you still act like a child and a teenager. And as a result, what happens is that the parent in turn treats you like that bratty kid again. All right? So it's a vicious cycle. All right? And then, um, and then they get upset and they fight. <laughs> you know, in every culture, this kind of cycle persists. And, and we have a lot, of, a lot of Asians here in our church, and we're part of this traditional culture family. And one thing about Asian culture is that no matter how successful you are, no matter how old you are, no matter how many kids you have and all these things, in your parents' eye, no matter if they're 101 or 91 or 81, you're still a kid. Is that right? You're still, you're still this small in their eyes. And you got to do everything in blind obedience to what they say. That's just the way it is. But Jim Burns would say, suggest that despite what you've learned or how you grew up, if you want to uh, raise kids in, in the gospel and biblical way. Parents, this is just for parents, you have to raise uh, your kid with a different script. No matter what your culture says, how you've been raised or what you should do, you got to rewrite it. Otherwise, you're going to lose your kids. You're going to lose your adult child because, of, of course, they're going to take away your keys. They say, Mom and Dad, here's the nursing home. You, know, you don't want that. If you want them to love you, parents, you got to do it differently now. And those parents, like myself, in the future, I have to start being nice to my kids <laughs> and raise them up and consult with them when they're ready. Okay, that's what Jim Burns would say, all right? Now, how do you rewrite the script? And this is where I, I, I see from Ecclesiastes chapter 12. How, how are parents 
to, to learn how it would teach us. Uh, here's another um, little, little paragraph that Jim Burns says in his book. And here's the importance of writing a new script for uh, parents to parenting young adults. He says this, when your children are young, they climb all over you and step on your feet. When they are older and make poor choices, they step all over your heart. Oh. <laughs> That's why it's so hard when, you, when you're in that stage to let them go, you know, because you're hurt. Um, Jim Burns gives other practical ways, you know, but, uh, but and those are helpful. And if you want to know what that book is, I'll, um, I can show you what that book is. I, I had it on my slide. But, but I think in today's message, um, the teacher here, which is, uh, his name is, he's also called Koleth, which is also translated preacher or teacher, which is King Solomon himself. Actually, the way he um, uh, counsels, not, not counsels, not the right word, the way he consults here in chapter 12 is, is quite um, important. I think we, we, parents can benefit, and young adults, if you're in that stage, you can also benefit. So let's look at what King Solomon, the Koholeth, is saying, all right? Um, I want to begin in uh, verse 1. So, Hank, maybe you could put these verses up with me as I go along. So, the, so, so um, Ecclesiastes has 12 chapters. We're at the last chapter, and chapters 1 through 11 gives us a lot of practical wisdom. And in chapter 12, this is how he ends. He says, young adults, this is speaking to young people, remember your creator while you are young before the bad times come, before the years come when you will say, I have wasted my life. Now, that is a different version, NIV, but it's sort of similar, right? So, so the Koholeth, or the preacher, or King Solomon, he is calling young people while they're still young. And this is what, he's, uh, what his uh, consultation to you is. Before you get old, basically, live a God-centered life right now, young people. Uh, make sense of this God who made the universe, this God, get to know him, make him the highest priority in your life right now while you are still young, okay? Um, at the same time, that's what he's is speaking, saying to all the young people. But at the same time, I think Coalesce can also teach parents how to consult other, uh, their adult children because this is, wrote this, he was an old man. And he's gaining all the wisdom and the experiences that he had lived. And he's writing to um, perhaps his children or maybe to young people in general. But he's parenting uh, young people. So parents, listen to what, what he's doing. He is consulting. He's not making people do this, but he is giving wisdom, wise advice uh, as a consultant, if you will. So, so um, look at the advice. Look how he does it. It is consulting young people or maybe his kids, not commanding them. He's not saying, you make you, make you do this, otherwise I'm going to cut you out of my will or you're going to hell. It's nothing like that. He's coaching them. Oh, I'm sorry, he's not coaching them either. He's not even counseling them. He's uh, suggesting. That's what consultants do. I mean, it's frustrating because you want people to do this because it's good stuff. But he doesn't make you. He is suggesting. He's consulting. Consulting what? To remember God. That is, that is um, you know, the ultimate form of parenting adult children. 
to remember God and to remind them, all right? To remember God uh, all of your lives, okay? Uh, the pl- I know when you're young, you have plans, you know? You, you want to do all these kind of things. You want to go to this place and that place, marry this person, that person, you know? But it says, remember God in everything, in all your plans, and, and praise Him for all the blessings and the troubles as well, and, and put Him into everything that you're going through right now. And basically, Coleth, King Solomon is saying, the best time to do this, uh, this remembering God stuff, is while you are young. And those of you who are young, even though you're teenagers in middle school, think. He's still speaking to you. Remember God right now while you are young, in parentheses, before you get old like me, Solomon says. And, and you give God your whole life to his service while you are still young. It says, do not wait until you are so old that you don't have much desire to do anything because life will lose its pleasure. Because if you're pursuing money, fun, everything while you're young, when you're old, there's no more pleasure to be had, and God will not ever fulfill that, okay? So, instead of going that way, which is the mantra of the culture, have fun while you're young. Don't get too religious. Don't get bogged down. Why are you going to church? Go have fun. And then when you make your money and you retire, then you'll have plenty of time for God. That doesn't work, Coalesce says. And it doesn't work in real life. I was told that all my life, too, when I was young. And I said, uh, Dad, I might go to ministry. What? <laughs> have fun. You know, do all this kind of stuff, right? But Colette, the wisdom says, um, it doesn't work. But while you're young, why you still have enough passion to make a difference in the world? If you remember God and put him as high priority for everything, then all will go well. Now, that's the point. That's what he's saying. Now, to make this point more salient, the preacher, King Solomon here, gives one of the most memorable illustrations, if you will, poetry, verses 2 on, the verses that we read, is really saying the same thing in different ways. Let me just go through it real quick. So, Hank, uh, go with me to verse 2 and on. And I'm not going to read the whole thing, but, uh, but, but after he, that's basically the message here, whether you're a young adult or parent, you remember God in your young life. That's the whole message. But look at uh, verse 2. Uh, verse 2 basically compares the troubles of old age, because Solomon is old at this time. And, and those of you who are a certain age above, you, you understand that you can, your mobile, mobility is quite limited and you understand. But this old age is, is compared to like a gathering storm, if you look at the contrast. Basically, both day and night are darkened by clouds. And after the rain falls, the storm clouds gather again. That is the symbolism of being old. And this is what happens when people get old. You know, but when you're young, there's, there's still time for the sky to clear, right? But when we're old, it's always gloomy. <laughs> that's the, that's the sim- uh, uh, symbolism. In verses 3 and 4, Solomon compares the elderly person to a house that is crumbling slowly with decay. When he talks about the keeper of the house, uh, metaphorically, it's about a person's arm. Because when you're young and strong, you got nothing but guns. You don't see guns here. But when you're old, it says uh, it starts to tremble. (laughs) 
That's what he's saying, actually. Strong men are, are like legs, but when you're old, it's bent with age. You know, <laughs> the grinders cease because there are few. Their teeth, there are not much teeth left, okay? That's what happens when you get old. The windows are like the eyes, and they're dimmed by cataracts, and you can't just wear glasses anymore. You go blind, you know what I mean? The doors are the ears, and of course, you, huh? What? <laughs> You can't hear anymore. The daughters of songs are, are, are the vocal cords that no longer have elasticity. <laughs> can't even talk anymore. You can't even sing anymore. That's what happens when you get old, right? And, and, and can't make sweet music. Almond tree blossoms indicate someone whose hair has turned white with age. So, you know, Solomon just saying, it's not fun being old, okay? <laughs> then one day... <laughs> After he talks about this, the house will crumble, and it mentions a grasshopper. What is all that? You know what grasshoppers do? When the grasshoppers are young, they go boing, boing. They're always up in the air, midair, they're almost floating. But over here, what is this grasshopper doing? Just scraping by. It's not even jumping. It's not going up anymore. And that's what a collapsed house looks like. And that's the result of what happens when you get old. Because man is going to his eternal home, he says. The mourners go about the streets. And it gives elaboration of all that from verses 5 through 7. You know what that is? It's a description of death. That's what happens when, after you're young. Oh, when your skins are tight. <laughs> you can run. You could eat whatever you want and not gain a pound. You know those glory days. A lot of you are in that. But you know what? That's only temporary. <laughs> when you get old, there's all this description to die. And, and Solomon talks about death because that is what happens after you get young, you get old, and you die. And he said, that is our home. That is our eternal home. We would not live in this place forever. The house, our body, it, it is all dying. Today, we are young and strong. But already, Solomon says, we're getting older and older. And tomorrow, he says, the mourners will carry our bodies for the burial. It seems kind of so, so sobering and so dark, but that's the reality. This is what Koheles, the teacher, is uh, teaching us, right? And these are sober realities of life and death, and we have to talk about it because everybody is going to face it in this fallen world. And the call of the preacher is to remind us, remind us that our Creator, now is the time to remember Him uh, uh, before it's too late. And I, that's, that's really what the text says. Now, King Solomon, the teacher here, the Kolev, is an ideal consultant to us. Because if you know anything about his history, you know, uh, King Solomon was the ultimate king. There will be no other king like him ever. ever. When he was young, he prayed the most amazing prayers as God. I'm young, but I have no idea how to lead the people. So remember what he prayed for? Give me wisdom. And God said, that's a good prayer. Not only am I going to make you uh, wise and smart, uh, the, 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 the intelligence that no one would ever, ever surpass, but I'm going to make you rich. I'm going to make you famous. And he got everything. You know the story. And so um, that's why he wrote, uh, while he was young, he wrote the Song of Songs. He wrote three books in the Bible, at least in our, in our canon. And that was when he was young, and he liked uh, relationships a lot. So I've never preached on Song of Solomon. 
and maybe, maybe not, I don't know, but you read it for yourself, but, but he was like in love, right? And, you know, he had a lot of wives and stuff. Um, but towards his middle age, after he became a king, then he got a little wiser, but he was having issues, so he started writing the book of Proverbs. So a lot of the Proverbs are uh, Solomon's Proverbs. But, you know, in his height, uh, he fell greatly. Uh, you'll find this in 1 Kings, uh, I believe, 7 or 8. And what you find is that uh, he fell, and, and, and God kind of turned his back on him. And, and no, no, no. He turned his back on God because he started to uh, uh, follow other idols. And then he was ending very horribly. That's where the book of Ecclesiastes came about. He's old, but he's not dead. But he finally learned his lesson. When he was young, when he was a young adult, an adult child, he put God in the forefront, right? And everything went well for him, you know, but, but he messed up. And finally, he got his wisdom back, and thus uh, we have Ecclesiastes. So the Koalath teaches that parents need to consult your, your adult child with this wisdom because King Solomon learned it. This is life lesson. They says, parents, this is how you must uh, uh, parent your adult children. And those of you who are the adult child, young people, listen to and glean the wisdom of someone who went there and survived and came back. Because if you don't, all right, for both parents and young adults, Jim Burns would say, um, you know, as parents especially, you know, um, okay, I'll, never mind. So I'll say that later. Um, so let's just bring it out to a close. So as a parent, all right, so as a parent, you hear Koala's advice. Now, I'm just talking to the parents. Um, and you say, okay, I have to let my kids go. I have to encourage them to put God first, all right? But what if everything in your being says, mm, I got to do more? I, I don't buy it. I'm not convinced because you don't know my kid, my adult child. You don't, the irresponsibility, the, 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 the choices that make, when are they ever going to be mature? What am I going to do? Don't raise your hands, but parents, if you are saying that in your heart, how do you, how do you, you know, bring this together of what the teacher is saying, how to adult, how to parent your adult children? And, and you don't see it, you don't, you don't trust that maybe God could do something in their life. What do you do? That's a real concern, all right? You know, the sermon is not just trust God. And in fact, um, uh, the subtitle of Jim Burns' book is not only, you know, how to parent your adult child, but basically it says, keep your mouth shut and leave the welcome mat out. That's essentially his advice, okay? And it's hard, especially you love your kids, but they're constantly making wrong decisions. Uh, one story that he puts in his book is a real story about a dad and his 21-year-old daughter. So, 21-year-old daughter calls dad and says, oh, dad, um, can I talk to you for a moment? He says, okay, but dad, I think you should sit down. Parents, if you ever have that kind of phone call, it's not going to be good. So, he sits down, and then uh, the story goes, she says, dad, um, I'm getting married uh, in two weeks. Oh, gosh. But that's not the reason why you sit down. It gets, it gets better. Um, and, and this person is 43 years old. This person just got divorced, all right? They, um, 
she just got divorced from her husband from a bad marriage. I've only known her for six months. I love her. We're going to get married. Dad, I would love for you and mom to come to my wedding. And by the way, you're not going to walk me down the aisle because this is a non-traditional wedding. And, uh, but can you come? <laughs> I almost cried when I read that part. <laughs> Parents, this is not hypothetical. This was a real story. That's why he put in that book. What, what would you do? Tell me, what would you do? Well, no, don't tell me. <laughs> Think about what would you do? Um, you know that this marriage is not going to last, at least on paper. <laughs> you, just, you, you just met this person for six months, and plus, your daughter, 21, she just came out of a bad relationship, okay? <laughs> I mean, the context is just ridiculous. And then you hear this message, and you read Jim Burns' book, and you hate what he's saying. So how do you apply that to a real situation like that? How do you trust God in his sovereignty when, when like, you would never, ever think of this scenario and it's really happening with you, and you feel like as a Christian and Christian parent, you did everything right to raise your kids right, and yet right before your eyes in that one phone call, it's, your life just turned upside down, right? What are you going to do? Don't tell me what you're going to do. Let me tell you what you should do, okay? You know, Jim Burns admittedly would say, as a parent, because his dad did the same thing, because he was getting counsel from Jim Burns. Because naturally, I would probably do the same thing. I would blame myself. Um, blame, you know, I won't blame my wife, but we together we'll be blaming each other and blaming ourselves. Where did we go wrong? That's the, that's the first question. You know, what do we not do right? I mean, Many, many questions, right? Um, you know, we know that young adults, their values will change. They go to school, and all of a sudden, they're not Christians anymore. You, you know what I'm saying? This is the way it is. And uh, your parent and your kids will stray away from faith, may even leave the faith. So, so really, uh, King Solomon says, you know, help them to remember. I mean, is that all we could do? Um, he also, Jim Burns shared a story um, as he was trying to understand this from um, Tony Campolo, and um, he had a talk called When Your Kids Walk Away from Faith, which is very, very um, um, right on point, because it was really Tony Campolo's story of his story, because he had a 50-year-old son that also walked away from faith. And so um, this is what he said. Tony Campolo said, when young adults quit listening to the Word of God, singing about God, being stimulated in their faith with other people, and never spend time exercising their faith, the natural result is that their faith will fade. That makes sense, right? So he says, in summary, if you don't use a muscle, the muscle will atrophy. So if you don't exercise your faith, your faith will atrophy. And for Jim Burns and his counsel to this dad, and now uh, using uh, King Solomon's cons consultation and Jim Burns' consultation, I will share with you. And this really makes sense, guys. You've done your best, and right now, uh, as long as your kids are under your, quote, lovingly control, you bring them to church. <laughs> 
We go through Awana. We go through children's ministry. We go through youth. We have college. And they're going to get the gospel, okay, whether they like it or not. So that's a good thing, all right? That's good. But then when they become adults, you have to let go. You have to consult them. They go left field, right field, and so forth. But if we've done our jobs right, we help them how to exercise their faith muscle, how to learn how to pray, learn how to understand Scripture. And again, I think I, I shared with you that our church is so committed to this. We're revamping the whole children's and uh, youth and pro- program so that by the time they graduate from high school, we want all of our kids to have a certain understanding of the Bible. So that's what we're working on, right? But the whole point is that with you parents and the church, we work together so that your kids will learn how to understand, will use the spiritual muscle of faith, of believing, and, and, and living out your faith intellectually as, a, as well as spiritually, and with their hands go serving. And, and we are, and we will do that. But then they go to college, they go to some school, and they get liberalized, and they just like, oh, there's no God, okay. Then what do you do? Jim Burns says, shut up. <laughs> well, leave out the welcome mat because you have to trust God that they're going to use their muscles one day. You have to believe it. There's nothing you could do because the more you become invasive in their life, and if you, if, that, if, if you don't, and if you cut them out, that's the worst thing you could do, which may be some of people's instinct. Here's the conclusion of that story. Remember that distraught dad or mom? The story is that mom and dad did attend the wedding. Of course, it's everything against what they believe and what they taught, what they want for their daughter. But she did attend the wedding, or they did attend the wedding. Sure enough, after one year of, quote, marriage, it failed. And you know what the daughter did? She came, moved back home. When she moved back home, she reconciled with her parents, and she started attending church. And uh, everything that was broken in her life, at least the story ends, that it came back right on track. Now, that is, that's a good ending, but, but would it always end that way? I don't know. But, but parents, <laughs> when your child becomes an adult, uh, you just got to wait, got to pray. <laughs> Maybe that's why God does that, so that we can still be more faithful in our old age. I don't know, but that, that, that is it. And I was thinking about this, because I want to end with the gospel. Jesus, did you know he was a young adult? <laughs> you know, in some cultures, if you ne- even if you're 60 years old, and if you're not married, you're a young adult. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're still a youth. Jesus was a young adult, and uh, in his stage of growth, you know, he, we, we see him when he's a baby, we see him at, when he's 12 years old, and also between 12 years old and uh, age 29 slash 30, he comes on the scene. But in the, in the, from 12 to, say, age 29, that's the young adult stage. And I'm talking to all the young people here. And, and yes, Jesus is God, but he's also human. And what do you think, how do you think Jesus lived during uh, those, uh, those years, those decades? Um, he probably experienced everything that you as a young adult experienced. Career, you know, relationships, you know, I, liking someone, maybe being uh, idealistic about something or, or uh, understanding authority or challenging authority. I don't know. That's what all young adults go through. Guess what? Jesus most likely went through all that as well. Like all Jewish boys, 
what they do is if they're not smart enough or have enough money to go to rabbinical school or to be chosen to be a rabbi, most of them just follow their, the career path of their father. And of course, Jesus uh, became a carpenter because daddy was a carpenter, right? And, um, and, and do you remember Dan Brown when the whole Da Vinci stuff was around and, and, uh, and there was this conspiracy theory and this Gnostic gospel that Jesus had a relationship with Mary Magdalene? And in fact, uh, if you go to the History Channel, you'll find that Jesus had kids. That, that, that's all nonsense. But, you know, if you think about it, and though it is nonsense and those conspiracy theories are out because we don't have any indication in the Bible that Jesus did that, but what that tells me is that those choices that Jesus could have had with all these things that people want to make Jesus out of, he could have made all those choices because this is what young adults face all the time, right? But here's the thing. Despite all these temptations, as a fully grown man he, who had to make adult choices, Jesus, what did he do? He he took the coalesce advice, all right? He took even, even God the Father's advice to what? Remember God in everything that he did as a youth. Not only as a child because he had to memorize the Torah, he had to go to, you know, uh, uh, the temple and do all that, but even afterwards when he could choose not to, he still put God in his mind. He was fully committed to God as a young adult, even to the point of being misunderstood, being hated, mocked, and eventually martyred as a criminal for insurgence against a religious establishment. He chose that. And parents, if your kid decided to go to the, another country and become a rebel and all that, it's like the worst thing, right? But you know what Mary and Joseph had to do? They had to let it go. We'll call Mary Elsa right now. <laughs> she had to let it go. Parents have to let it go. Because if they did right, you have to leave Jesus, who looked like, you know, uh, an insurgent against the government, who looked like a communist or whatever, you know. They're like, oh, God, well, how do we raise this kid? But he was doing God's will. So, parents, would you let your child end their life that way? Of course not. But if you did everything right, and if you put your kid into God's hands, it's going to be okay. I say that to you now, but talk to me in like 10 years, okay? Anyway, let's pray. Praise team, please come up and help us with this. Father, I pray that oh, this topic for me is still theoretical, but I know it's real for many families maybe in this church, but certainly outside the church, who may be listening to the sermon online, maybe it is true that they're wrestling. I pray that you give grace to the parents, that even though everything they did was right and the life is falling apart with their kids, I pray that you give them strength right now, that you will cover them with uh, faith and that could trust you, Lord. I pray uh, a lot of the young adults who are making poor choices that are not aligning with your word, that you would allow them to hear the teacher's advice, that even in their young age, they would remember you, that they have learned when they were younger. So God, this is your family, Lord, and the families here at that city, I put them all into your hands, oh God, that you would lovingly uh, uh, counsel us and command us and consult us in every level that we need so that we will be right with you. 
bless our families, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.